unfiltered, uncensored, and unapologetic. This is the Retail War Zone Podcast. Welcome to the Retail War Zone. I am Steve. I'm joined with my co-host, the Irish Connection. And tonight we have essential author Adam Cott with us this evening. So this will be Adam's third time on the show and friend of the channel. He's done a great service for everybody, you know, that works in this kind of business. And so what we're going to do, this is going to be kind of a shoot the shit. You know, let's talk about his process. Let's talk about the books. Uh, where he's going, where he's been, you know, if you guys have questions, feel free to ask, you know, I'm sure he will have no problem answering them. When the video goes live, um, you can look at the video description. There's going to be a direct link to his website and also a direct link to his store to where you can purchase the books. And having said that, Adam, tell us a little bit about your store and what we were discussing prior to the stream about the value of the two. So yeah, on my, on my website, adamcott.com, um, you can buy both books at a $5 discount. So it, they're both autographed. They're $40 for both of them shipping included, um, to anywhere in the United States. And if it was outside the United States, we can we talk about it or something, but, uh, um, yeah, it saves a little bit of money. Cause I think it's, it's valuable to read both, especially like quickly together. Um, I had a guy, uh, you should try reading is his like uh, Facebook page. And he read them both really quick together and he absolutely loved it. He gave me spectacular reviews and such a nice, very nice guy. But uh, yeah, I, I think that's the best way to kind of approach buying the books for either yourself or for other people. I agree with that, and, and I'm going to use a video game analogy here that, that really rings true to what you just said. So I've played the Red Dead Redemption games, and, you know, I had never played the first one ever, um, but I totally enjoyed Red Dead Redemption 2. And what I did was I played through Red Dead Redemption 2, which was a prequel, and then went straight into the original game. And it is much more impactful when you do that. And and I would agree, especially with the start of the patron saints, that he's right. Read them back to back. It, it's the most impactful. So having said that, how you been? Been good, man. Uh, it's been like, it was a long time coming. The second book took me a long time. Um, I wasn't living through it anymore. I don't work in like retail anymore. I work in customer service still. I just work for um, a big corporation, a consumer packaged goods company that does dairy. And um, yeah, it's 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 been an interesting journey because the first one kind of flowed with the the blog that I had, Life on the Grocery mm-hmm. Line, and the the second one, I was I was starting as I finished the first one, and. But then I, I like by, you know, when I published it, I think a month later, I got a, a new job and I was like, okay, well, this is a little more difficult. Like you have to kind of look back on everything. So it's the first book is written in present tense, uh, first person present tense. And the second book is written in first person past tense. So it does fit my life a little bit. It's like looking back on the past as like the journey that he took through the grocery store. 
his his life as he moved away from being a cashier into like receiving and then he gets kind of recruited into being into management and ultimately this isn't giving away too much but he puts in his two weeks in the last third of the book is um called short timers since where he's starting to not give a fuck um even more you know there's a lot of weird things start to happen a little more um but he's starting to find himself the whole journey i think in general um is definitely about finding your way through what seems like an impossible circumstance like i was I was trapped there in a store. I couldn't move. I was like, they definitely, you know, could have, I, no one was hiring. I, I, I wanted to leave. I wanted to get out, but I had to make the best of it. So I tried to get into management. That was a nightmare. I and mean, it's just like, you're paid what? Like three more dollars an hour to deal with other people's shit on top of longer hours. Yes, 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 yes. Things. Yeah, it's like the, and it was, you know, it's a supervisor position. So it's like, you have no power. You can't, you can't really tell people what to do or like, like, you know, and, or punish someone. You can't like, if they like insubordinate or something, then you like, you're screwed. There's nothing you can do about it. You just got to suck it up. So it was like just a more stressful um, version of what I was doing before with more responsibility and longer nights. And yeah, it's Daniel's journey follows mine like to a T almost, but it, um, it's most like, I'd say instead of the first one where it's like maybe 70, 80% nonfiction, like very much what happened in my life. The next one is like 90% fiction. Like the scenarios, the things you go through, like those aren't ones that I recall from my memory. They're just similar to the things that happened. Right. That makes sense. Well, that makes sense. You know, uh, the one thing, and you know, Adria, I see that you're here and I know you work in grocery and this is something that I would like to pose to everybody that maybe we can get your help. We were talking off stream as I was trying to work through the technical difficulties. Um, we need to find a way to get these books into grocery workers hands. And I don't know what the correct Avenue is for that. And I think Adam would agree. And, uh, you know, if we could, if there's some way we could figure out some sort of marketing campaign or something for Adam to get these books into the hands of people that work in grocery stores, especially the ones that work during the pandemic, I think it would explode. Adam, would you agree? Yeah. I like, I, I mean, I wrote like writing is very much a, a, a personal thing. Um, I wrote it for myself, but I knew too at the time that I was kind of like, there's a lot of people out there that were experiencing exactly what I was experiencing, but no one ever talked, like gave them a voice or wanted to write about it. And in that way, it kind of drove my mission a little bit farther to kind of get it out into the zeitgeist. And it's gotten there. I, um, and like at least a little bit, but the, I also think service industry workers, I yeah. had a tremendous response from people that are servers, like just the, the Linda's and Dave's conversations that they read, just they, it connects instantly. It's like something that I've heard such positive feedback um, that, you know, people have said that it, it made them feel connected. Like they were, they remember going through all that and they're glad someone wrote about it and talked about it. So I, I mean, that'd be amazing. That would be really cool if I could find a way to get in front of people that otherwise feel 
you know, underrepresented or not talked about or forgotten as some lady berates them in the seafood section of Vaughn's in some city, you know, like that, that would, that makes me feel amazing when people do that. And I think it helps bring people together really too. So it'd be nice to have some sort of viral campaign. I'll get with you the next few weeks. I think I got an idea and I'll, I'll send you an email or a message and let you know. Iris, do you have any questions for Adam? Uh, I'm curious. You 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 have gotten out of um, grocery uh, a little while ago, uh, mm-hmm. and that's given you a bit of space. And uh, I'm just wondering, has your uh, is it, has your kind of uh, perception uh, changed uh, at all? And would that affect any writings that you have? Like, you know, are you have you suppressed all the all, all the terrible memories, or, or are they still pretty fresh? And do you have like you know? Do you, do you have that empathy still when you walk into a grocery store and you, you see someone getting chewed out by a manager or something like that? Yeah, I'm just kind of curious when you have a little bit of space between you and grocery, how that f- affects you. I don't think that ever leaves me. I mean, I, like, I don't think that ever, I still get berated. I just get it via email now. That's the only difference. It's like, right, right. It, it, um, higher volume amount of money, you know, like I, accounts that have millions of dollars. So they think everything's important too. Mm. And I work for a dairy company. Um, and like they think milk is the most important thing in the world. So they'll just escalate things up the food chain. It's still not in like in your face. It's not that, but, um, no, I can, it'll never leave me. I, I do feel a sense of, um, closure in a way with that, with that time working at Whole Foods, I worked at King Supers before that. I worked at Sam's Club for four years in college. Um, customer service has pretty much been my whole gig as far as like an adult, working adult. But um, and King Supers is owned by Kroger. But the, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's ingrained in my bones. I do feel a sense of closure from my time working during the pandemic. Uh, just because... I, I got to I got to tell them the story that I wanted to. I'm fortunate enough that like at the time I was able to invest resources. People like have cared. They've spent money on my book and all those things. I've been very lucky and blessed to be able to have like had any modicum of success. Um, and to kind of round it off and really um, I don't know solidify that place in my life and hopefully in others where people connect to it too, uh, is really nice. But I, there wasn't even that long ago that I kind of stood up for someone just berating someone at the store. I'm like, dude, there's no need. And he's like, he just kind of backed off. Like people, if he's, if someone else says something to him, they usually back off. I feel like, but it's like, I don't know. It's, It's so unnecessary to treat anyone with, uh, a lack of respect for just doing their job, you know, the, so I, I, maybe I even feel more empathy now that I can have a satellite view from it. Hmm. I think, um, you know, the point that you made, and that says a lot, if you're a customer, let's say you're behind the customer that's showing their ass, so to speak, and you speak up for whatever reason that carries more weight than an employee taking up for for that situation and and i think you're right about that there's a different level of i hate to say this respect 
you know, the customer will look at the other customer and respect their opinion more than they'll respect the worker, which is why we're all here to begin with. But, um, you know, I want to make sure that I get, you know, questions out of the chat. Blame Tag asks, how did you find time to write while working an erratic retail schedule? Or maybe more accurately, was there anything you did to develop good writing habits around work? Asking for a friend. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) I blame Tag. Um, Well, like, so that's one thing I was was pretty fortunate in a way, which you know, it doesn't seem fortunate because it was the pandemic, you know, everything was shut down. Um, I was writing about my day-to-day things anyway, with life on the grocery line. And I was work when I moved into management into, but into a supervisor role, I worked nights. So it was two to 11, um, every day. And, uh, that kind of allowed me to write in the morning and that's when I write best. So when, that was, and I was able to now churn out that book. When did I start the the novel, the first one? I started it in, I want to say August or November of 2020. No, not August and November, like October of 2020. And I had a draft by the end of the year. I had a manuscript, which is insane. I, but I had all those like stories to weave together, right? And then like editing it was brutal. Um having to second guess everything. And like an editor, she was telling me, you know, keep it linear, keep it focused in one direction. And I was like, oh, no, that's not the way I'm supposed to tell it. But then it makes all the sense in the world. It like the editor's right 90% of the time, I would say. Um, I didn't really stand up for myself on anything in that because I thought she was pretty accurate. Um, I I found time because I just, yeah, working at nights and I, I do better in the morning. Now when I... Um, moved into the new job where um, I, had to, I still do wake up same time or like I, I start work at eight and we're till five or five. Uh, I got up at about five thirty, five five thirty, and, you know, throw some coffee down and just go. That was the only way to do it. And I, I had the sense of direction. I knew that I wanted, like I had to finish out the story. My story wasn't done for, with the grocery part, with the life on the grocery line and the patron saves the grocery. I knew it wasn't over. So I had that driving me and I, my job still makes me miserable, dude. I don't like my fucking, I don't like getting berated. I don't like the same stupid problems over and over again. So I use that as motivation to get up in the morning and keep writing. Um, editing is, is difficult. Once I got into that part, um, I would also write on the weekends too. I go to a coffee shop and sit there. Um, but editing is even a little bit lonelier and it's like second guessing yourself and it's rereading everything that you wrote before. Um, brutal, like being really like self-aware and taught like, you know, acknowledging your faults. Like this doesn't make any sense. This is poorly written rewriting it but then somehow you have to stop and not keep doing that like you have to like you know you have to find a a place where you go back to the editor and then you go back and forth so you don't just like sit there and overanalyze and like oh like think oh i could say this better well maybe you don't need to maybe that's just the right way to say it so a good editor is key and 
having good feedback, being self-aware, um, being analytical, but like finding that healthy medium of like, okay, I need to hand this off. She knows what she's talking about. It sounds great. Cause I, I remember with the first book, I was like, are you sure this is okay? I, I wrote her so many emails and she's like, no, this is really, this is really good. Like you're, this is on point. This is going the right direction. Are you saying, are you telling the story you want to tell? And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Then chill the fuck out, dude. Huh. Um, like you're, it's, it's hard because you're, you know, you're, put, you're spilling yourself out there. You're putting yourself out into the world in a very vulnerable way that people won't even see for like months. It may never, re- like a lot of people may never read it. You're going to just put yourself out into the void. And um, it's, it is about habits though. It's just like writing every day, every day. When you're in writing mode, write every day, no matter if it's like I don't know, two paragraphs or something, or you just get in the zone and you crush out 5,000 words that you'll end up deleting later. There's a big section that I deleted out of the book too, out of the second one. It was about 20 pages. And I sat there for like a week, two weeks, like trying to figure it out. Like, yeah, should I write about it? Oh, good story from, so I, um, I had a bunch of edits done. And when you do editing, it's kind of like, she sends all these edits and you fix it in Word. And I just kept leaving it up on the screen. I didn't shut off my computer and save it. Well, my autosave turned off. This was right at the beginning of the year. Ooh. Yeah, and then I shut it down and I lost 90 pages of edits. Wow. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, I cried. <laughs> I sat there and I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like all of a sudden you lost every thought that you had because it's like, you're moving so through it, right? Like I'm not dwelling on what I, I edited earlier. So like when that happened, I had to stop. I, I lost about a month and a half from, because like, well, because I that was I was going really quick, but then like mentally it just broke me. It just sat, like I sat there and I was like, I don't know what the fuck to do, man. I like, I was so, I felt so defeated, so fucking defeated and I could I couldn't really get back to even trying for a few weeks and it took about like, yeah, a month, month and a half before. That's why this book came out later than the other one. It was probably going to come out in April. Um, but yeah, it, I'm proud of myself for sticking that out because that made me want to quit. You, it, it sounds like pe- people don't understand like the creative process. Like for instance, being a musician, all right. You know, there's been times I've recorded things and then I accidentally deleted them, okay? That is so much different than putting thoughts on paper, you know, it, because, you know, you can you can delete a piece of music, but you remembered, you know, what you played, and that is so different than words and messaging, and I can't imagine how terrible that was. The, yeah, it's like... Cause I was like, oh man, I'm cranking it out. I was going like 90 pages. Hell yeah, I'm doing great. And then all of a sudden you're just, you're not doing anything. Yeah, but because <laughs> you didn't do anything. Yeah, because people don't understand, you know, people have a weird concept of work. You know, even though it's something personally that you want to do, 90 pages of words, that's a lot of work that's gone. And you're doing this, you know, for, you know, to get your message out and, and what you're writing. 
And people just refuse to understand that the creative process is, is anything worth discussing because you're not getting paid for it. You're not serving your customer. You're not doing whatever. It's still work. Would you not agree? Oh, for sure. It's a hundred percent work. It was two, it was two jobs for three years, basically. The, uh, the thing too, is like what you said earlier, the point of no one's paying you to do it. I'm, I, this is kind of like an independent deal in and of itself. I don't know what I'm going to try and search for, for the next job. If I'm going to try and get a book deal, I don't really want that. I don't want gatekeepers and things like that, but you know, no one's holding me accountable. No one, there's no agent calling me like, Adam, where's our manuscript? Like, right. It's just, I have something I want to say and I need to say it. And I think I have a story worth value and I want and like to like, like let it go for myself and um, put it out into the world. I have this like thing that I want to put out there. Somehow you got to like dig down and you're not, you're not going to want to write. You're not going to want to edit. Um, it, it, it happens when anything turns into a job for sure. Yeah. Like, like music too. Like if you, let you, let's say you start a band, right. And you, you have fun jamming together. It's a good time jamming. But if you want to turn that into something where it's a product or like something you put out there that you, it's work. you can make. Yeah. It's immediately work. It's immediately that. And you could, you could write a novel in, um, excuse me, in, in obscurity, but at that, I, I, I think it does a disservice to the idea of like creating. It doesn't mean that um, you have to care what other people think and it's not the sole purpose, but it's nice to have feedback. And it's been so nice when, like when you guys like discover the first book and um, you start like you, you, you connect with people through things. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, it's an absolute beautiful thing. Look, I, I have no problem saying that first book should be mandatory reading for all of retail that what you did with that first book. And it's a shame. It hasn't caught fire is amazing because it was dead on and it, there are people that work in this industry that haven't read that book that if they ever get the opportunity to, like I told you before on your very first time on the podcast, you hear voices in your head because you hear customers you deal with saying those same things. And, and that's a shame because you, you poured so much time into that book and the second book that yeah. you deserve that to be in the hands of people that need it. And, I, you know, uh, Adria in the chat, you know, she said the hardest thing is to try to read it as if you're the audience. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. So, um, Irish, do you have anything you would like to add, sir? I just think it's really interesting that, you know, you it's it's such a niche market that affects millions and millions of people. And, you know, it's still you're you're probably owning that niche market by virtue of the fact you've published two books. You know, it, I'm surprised it's, it's not bigger is what I'm saying in short, like, you know, and that, you know, there's an amazing opportunity there to really steer that because I, I have a funny feeling it's that niche market will explode someday because, um, you know, he's, 
like myself and Steve talked about it loads of times. It's we're we're still kind of surprised. This is the only podcast really doing this, you know. And you're the only author that I know of doing it. And it's uh, I'm just wondering if you have an opinion on that. What why why is it that retail that affects millions of people has such a niche market for things like this? Well, I mean, yeah. What I thought about with the book books too are kind of a niche market. Just reading in general. Um, it's more accessible now that you, you know, you can have a Kindle or something like that. Uh, and I do, I get paid for Kindle pages. So a lot of people have read my book via Kindle. Um, but like, it's, it's a really small amount. The people that have bought it, there's been about a thousand sold. Um, real real quick, not to interrupt. Okay. I, I just want to ask because as a musician and we hear about Spotify, you, you yeah. say you got, paid on kindle reads is it kind of like the same thing like spotify like you get paid but it ain't a lot yeah it's it's per page and i think it's a few cents per page um i think honestly overall amazon's pretty good to to authors for so like traditional publishing deal um you might get in advance let's say it's your first book you might you might get three grand um and that, that, I don't think you have to pay that back generally, but unless your book sells that much, you won't see any other money from it. Um, and what they do is they buy an amount of books and they sit in a warehouse. I can do this too independently. So they're going to, they predict you're going to, you know, sell a thousand books. They think your, your book can do that the first time. Um, so buy a thousand sits in a warehouse and until really like you get past your $3,000 worth of sales, you won't see any, um, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, royalties. Royalties. Yeah, you won't see any royalties till after you get past your small amount of money, and then it's real like it's a, a small amount. It might be like two bucks a book. Um, with Kindle uh, or with Amazon, uh, depends on the price of the book, but it's like seven or eight dollars a book. Um, and then Kindle pages is a few cents, but I mean, I've been averaging like a thousand pages a day. So it's, it's added like a buck or two to my life. I would love it to be like, you know, a hundred thousand pages a day across the world is like reading it. But, um, I honestly, like, I think it's been pretty good overall. I just, you need a big bump. You kind of need like a big platform that someone promotes your book that likes it a lot, get on a podcast like that, or someone that re has 250,000 followers. Um, one of the things you're talking about, Irish, you're talking about the, the niche. Um, there's a lot of like bookstagrammers that are out there and they can probably impact sales pretty good. Um, you know, I have 20,000 followers on Instagram and they have a ton of um, like engagement in their posts, but they read, they all read the same thing. Like, like I literally look through like hundreds of them. They pretty much all read the same uh, top novel that's coming from Penguin Publishing. Right. They're 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 jumping they're jumping on the clicks, right? Yes. And and they're getting they might even be getting they probably have a stack of books that's like a hundred high, and they're getting paid from Penguin to review it. That's probably what's happening. So like I I sent out, I don't know, maybe 50 or so emails and got one response and she didn't like the book. She said it was too raw or something like that, I think is what she said. She thought she would relate to it as a nurse. And I'm like, 
it, she was expecting me to write a different book. She wanted me to write the book she wanted to, like she was thinking of instead of the book I wrote. That's the way her review was. Right. But um, it, this, so. this is kind of interesting. And, and let me interject here. And, and, and this is why, because we're discussing the context of what you're writing and like what we do and whatnot. And how is it so hard to break through? And, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I 100% will always say that life on the grocery line should be mandatory reading for anybody getting into this business pre or post pandemic. Okay. I think what you did with that book was absolutely fucking amazing. I, I, I don't, the, the, the reason, the fact that that's not like a New York times bestseller really, really crawls my skin. That, that really disturbs me because it was that fucking good. But when you talk about a niche audience, it's good to those of us who worked in that business and it's, it's the marketing and getting it to those people. And I just don't think, you know, corporate, you know, um, publicists and people like that realize that. And there is such an untapped market for what you have done. This fucking depressing. I mean, you should have a million selling, you know, a million copy selling book on the first one. You really should. And and I sincerely mean that. And when you look at the amount of people that work in the industries we work in, what what's, you know, what's keeping them from seeing it? I mean, and it's promotion and, and it's it's marketing. And, and, and there again... It's capitalism because it costs money to market and whatnot. And, you know, you're not going to find the publishers going to be like, okay, we're going to market this. We're, we're going to get all our analytics and we're going to market this to people that work in grocery business. No, the fuck they're not. And that's a shame because your works aren't being seen by the people that need to see them. And collectively, as a group, all of us, you know, we have to find a way to make that happen. I have no problem putting up a splash screen on every single fucking video we do showing, hey, go buy this book because yeah. it, it's pertinent. It, it's it means something. It's it's not nonsense. You can call it fiction, whatever you want, but you encapsulated everything we went through in that first book, period. And it kind of shows the public interest isn't there for the quote unquote essential workers. And that's why I've called you like essential author. Cause you are an essential author. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I hope that in time, 20 years or whatnot, you, you know, we look back at Adam Cott. He did something there was a time capsule for what millions of people went through. And it yeah. aggravates me that we're not there yet. And having said that, we talked about this off stream. I want to show this real quick. Hopefully the camera pick it up because I've got green screen and whatnot. But this is his second edition of Life on the Grocery Line. And you see that right there? You see that little symbol? So, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about that? It's your um, Indie Book Awards. 
Yeah. So I, um, I submitted my book to a national indie book award contest. So it's, um, either self-published books or like small publishers. Mine would be considered a small publisher and they had a COVID-19 category. And, you know, it caused a little bit of money to enter these things, but like, I figured, you know what, I, I probably, um, I probably have something, my book would be interesting on that, that topic. And yeah, I got, I got, uh, I got some feet or I got a thing in the email that told me I was a finalist. I didn't win. Um, there were like, I think there were five finalists and two winners or a runner up and a winner. And, you know, that's probably out of a few hundred books that were sent in. You can send in, like, you could send in a book that's not edited and it has no back cover or anything, like that sort of thing. I mean, as long as it's printed. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Like someone in that, that, some judge in there thought I, maybe even more than one, thought I wrote the best book about COVID that, that was submitted. Um, it feels pretty cool. It feels very validating. Um to have like an, and you know, there's thousands of books entered into this thing. There's probably like, you know, hundred or 200 on COVID there were, I think the ultimate winner was um, something about the the virus the impact on, it was like a political book, something like that. So it was anything about COVID, which leaves it wide open. And mine was definitely the only novel on there. Um, and yeah, I think in some way it got some pretty good recognition. It felt pretty good to have that. And it looks really cool too. The legitimacy, like you said. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yep. Is it blurring? It's blurring, but it looks cool. Yeah, it like it turned out to uh really make an impact in some way. More than like bigger than you'd think. You know, like I've had some really um, incredible reviews about this from strangers, complete strangers that connected with it from all types of areas, from different industries. Um, so there, there's, it connects, it, it, it's, it has meaning and it's definitely probably made an impact in some people's lives, which is really meaningful for me. But I also think that it, it sheds light on, you know, the plight of people working grocery stores and retail and, um, service industry folks that like, you know, we like people understand the struggle. It does. I mean, that, that your first book, Adam was amazing. I mean, like I said, when, you know, when we, we had you on the very first time it was, you know, things you had put in that book, we could literally hear people that we've dealt with saying the same things. So you, you captured the moment and, I just, you know, I'll help you any way I can to get it out there um, because I really believe that I, you're an essential author. And as far as I'm concerned, it's essential reading. Uh, it, it just I, is. Irish. I, I appreciate that. I, you know, I have an idea like the, okay. So we were talking about like why the book has been more slow to grow. Right. right. And like also a podcast is, you guys podcast hasn't like blown up like you would think it right. has because there's so many retail workers. Right. Um, I mean, they're longer form in a way. Right. So it's, you have to find a way to like bind it to people. Like what's the audience of short information that leads them to bigger information. So like um, 
who's the gentleman that always does those funny videos about like the, from the customer's perspective or not from the customers, what, from the employee's perspective, when they ask him stupid questions, he's done really well. It's on like TikTok. Not and, sure. Okay. Well, um, I think I've seen you share him, but like he, yeah, he, he's done really well, but he's like at a, he has the short, it's like the short attention span and you know, people working in grocery stores got busy lives with families and it works fucking, I don't know, just insufferable sometimes, you know, you have to deal with stupid assholes like braiding you for no reason that it's, it's harder to like, you got to find the audience to get in front of them. Oh, 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 okay. I know here, Scott size. That's it. Scott size. But, um, yeah, he's done really well. I mean, he's like in movies and stuff now. And I'm pretty sure he was nobody before the pan pandemic or not really anyone of note. And that was like the short, funny things that kind of like launched it in. And, if you can find a way to connect that way, um, it could lead to the bigger, the bigger conversation you want to have. You have the micro conversations that lead into the bigger ones. If that makes sense, I mean, and I'm just thinking about now. I agree with that to to an extent, and we've tried that. I, you know, you have to be able to balance the idea of comedy with real life. And uh, look, I'm I'm not good with that uh, you know like looking at the chat blame tag is like steve should record the audio books for adam's books no i use the f word way too fucking much probably not good and that's probably why he's referencing but no no i mean it, it, and that's the thing you talk about the niche audience your book is very similar like we're we're just talking about life on the grocery line we're not talking about patrons i mean because it's a continuation so we got to get them into life first to bring them along the journey but it's right. the same thing it's like okay you have this great piece of work right that no that people aren't seeing and it's kind of like and look we're not Pulitzer Prize winning people here. Look, I, I mean, you know, I got long hair. Um, I'm pissed off at the industry and whatnot. But there's a lot of people out there that have the same opinions that I do, you do, Irish does, and whatnot. And finding them has been the problem. And, you know, the same thing with your book because I, I don't know. I mean, if I won the lottery today, Adam, and I had millions of dollars, I would send a copy of Life on the Grocery Line to every fucking grocery store chain location in the United States because they need to have it. And, you know, and, and that's kind of what we're up against is there's people that have great things to say, people who have written things that are pertinent, that we're getting no traction because we don't fall in line with, like you said, the short attention span, you know, it's comedic, whatever. When we really do have kind of a message to spread. Uh, and having yeah. said that, Irish, your take on that. It, yeah, I'd be pretty much alone. Look, I think the success of things like uh, Scott Sice is like that there is a kind of instant validation. If you're frustrated at your, you know, your grocery store job, like, you know, it takes 30 seconds of watching him and you kind of you, you get that dopamine hit, like, you know, but it takes a bit more effort, like to go to read the book. But the, the, the main difference, even though they're both kind of recreational, like, is, is, is that the, the book is 
in my opinion, kind of it's it's a timestamp almost. Like you know, it may not actually the value may increase in in time because in twenty years there's going to be very little written at that time by a person who is there dealing with it other than academic studies and stuff like that and things that are probably winning the prizes now but very very few things will actually be written from a, you know the employee's perspective what it was like to be told you're essential and you have to go to work while the world burns around them and everyone else gets to stay at home um so it has a, a value there but unfortunately there isn't the same instant payoff so it's very hard to go um viral and excused upon and um and kind of uh, take off, but it, that doesn't make it any less valuable, though. You know, I I, yeah, I agree with that. And and Adam, uh, your take on that because I think he's right there. And you said this prior to us going live about being a moment in time, like a time capsule or whatnot. You know, here you are yeah. doing these books. You wind up being sixty years old, and all of a sudden, life on the grocery line explodes. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the um, it definitely is a, and so that's the appeal for other people. I think was that haven't worked in the industry is like it is a time and place thing. Um, also, too, like if if you think about it, too, the the connectivity of what connects grocery store workers, the people that work there during that time but how many of them were like just college students or whatever and they moved on to a different job so how do you like wrangle them in too um i like honestly it i'm not surprised that it's taken longer to pick up because it's doing better now than it's ever done um and it could just keep going like that as people get more interested in what happened we get farther out and people forget that it even happened it feels like a very distant thing already. Um, and I'm curious to see, like the, the second book is kind of just going to be in tail, honestly. I think it's something that people will really like. It's got like, it's got romance. It's got a lot of like banter on a more extensive level than the first one. The first one's a lot of conversations with Lindis and Dave's that, Second one has like awkward sex scenes with, cause you know, I don't know if my experience in retail for my entire life is like half the people are fucking each other. That's true. Um, that is so true. Continue. hundred percent. Every like I, I'm, I, yeah, it happened to me too. So it's like, you know, it's like, you're just everyone, like you kind of commiserate you like you work in that same environment. A lot of people are young. Um, it's it can be fun in a moment to like like bullshitting with people and it's it, it you you suffer together suffer well i think is a good good term yeah as far as what i felt like when i was doing receiving during the during the pandemic and like there was like you know three other receiving guys for different departments all i was was just like bullshitting with other people and having a lot of laughs and having a good time because it kind of kept you away from the people in the, in the front the customers um, so I want, I wanted to incorporate all of that. And I, to me, um, there were things that I really love about working in retail. I like the, pe I love the people. I love the kind of like the attitude about it all. Um, it was carefree in a lot of ways. I'm sure like Steve, you've been working in for a long time. It changes too, but like a lot of the people that have been working there forever are hilarious and, and fun. And, Oh, I have, I, mean, I have something I need to send you. I'll send, I'll send it to blame tag. It's extremely private, but. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, to me, like it, this is the second one's like a love hate letter. It's like everything I loved and hated about working retail for, cause I've done it pretty much my whole life. Um, it wasn't just during the pandemic. I put, I put the pandemic even in the background on the, the second one. So like, it's not the the subject like it was in the first one. It's more about like the world that people don't see. Um, the the kind of beauty of working with a bunch of people that like you know they all go their separate directions and just things change pretty quick. Like there's there's people that are there for two weeks or they don't even make it through their two weeks because they just quit. There's people that have been there for forty years. It's that's a pretty dynamic difference than what you see in like corporate America, for example. Oh yeah, it's huge. Um, yeah, like I, most people like that I work with are at least there, unless their temps have been there for like, they'll be there for a couple of years at least. Um, it's taken more serious by some or it's, but it's all some mundane. Um, I, I am like, I think it's important to stamp in time. I hope it is. I hope people really like remember because it was a wild fucking time. And it like, there was millions of people that, couldn't just stay at home. They they had to go to work and they had to deal with everyone else that was panicked because of like they had to go to the store. Yay, capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I bet. Yeah, it was definitely. But you're right. Good. 100% right. And, and, and that's the thing. I, I'm, but the thing that, that, that pains me is the fact that you shouldn't have to wait till you're 60 years old for this thing to pop. You know, I, I do believe at some point in time, this book's going to explode because like you said, it's a time capsule. It is just such a fucking shame. It's going to be a slow drip. Like you said, and you're going to have to wait that long. Um, you, you know, it's, but it's okay. So one thing I didn't notice, I do have the audio book. If anyone's interested, it's up on audible um, for the first one. And it's read with, a bunch of different, or well, it was me, uh, my producer, which is just a buddy of mine. And then um, this uh, woman that I know that does a bunch of great voices. And I didn't really know it until I read or had to read the book out loud. How fucking funny it is. It's like, it is. it's really, really funny. I was like, I had a hard time finishing so many different parts and I don't like to like, uh, only lame people sit, sit there and think they're funny. I think that's like, you, you can, unless you're a comedian professionally, but I was like, wow, this, and then I started to get feedback. I'm like, this is so hilarious. Like that, because you, like you said, the voices in your head, right? Mm -hmm. Like the ideas that like, that, that you've had this conversation in some form or another with some batshit crazy person in your oh. store. And like, it brings it to life. It, it, it animates life in a whole different angle. And um, I think that's an attractive part that people will slowly get a when they can maybe let go of like the really the pain of the pandemic because there was a lot of that. But if you can like learn to laugh at the darkness a little bit, it might go farther and like ease its way into society because it's been doing it slowly but surely. I'm I'm expecting it to pop at some point. But. Yeah. Do, do you really feel like you know one day you know like the the sales and everything are kind of like die down. And then one day you're going to wake up and your phone's blowing up like, Oh, holy shit. Everything just exploded. Um, I mean, I can dream. I, like, I, I, I wish every day that I'm like, Oh man, maybe my phone, I'll check it today and I'll have 
uh, like a hundred sales in one day randomly. Yeah. Like someone with thing. The only time that really happens though is someone with a platform gets a hold of it, and it's like this is really awesome. So one of the reasons that a lot of the media that I did didn't really make it like blow up was okay. Even NPR is like a very quick moving timeline, right? Yeah. It's, it's just there. And most people don't listen to it as a podcast. I was on um, BBC, which is a huge. Oh, hold, huge. hold up. Hold up. Let me ask you something. Were you approached by Patty Hirsch? That name doesn't sound. Okay. Continue. Continue. A, I'll send you a message later. Continue. It was BBC worldwide. Um, and yeah, I mean, they have, millions and millions of viewers or i did good day chicago um which has goes like spans all of chicago land which is like 10 million people mm -hmm. but it's it's a window in the morning that people are watching it's a small portion of that window and it's pat it passes and it's not like you you don't you don't marinate on it in any way so like getting on a big podcast if i got an armchair expert or something like someone with 500,000 followers would be the, would be the cool thing. I've been so happy about the journey though, man. I mean, I'm just going to keep writing and, um, I'll figure this shit out, but like, yeah, I, I think it's got a place in the culture. It's already established itself. It's just got to find the people and are got to put it in front of the people that really means the most to them. And they're like, Holy shit. Like, I want to tell everybody at my store about this. You're right. That's what and that's where we need to get it. And now, you know, talking about like the different promo and stuff you've done. I mean, it, it is weird. Okay. I mean, and I think you and I can relate to this. It was like, you know, I was approached by, I mean, I've done like insider stuff and I've done like BBC Brazil and whatnot and there's no bumps, but I will say for the first time ever in the history of the podcast, you know, I wound up doing something for Vox.com. And I think Irish would, you know, agree here. They actually, what they used of me was put in a really positive light. And from that point on, it it's bumped. No, not viral, mind you. Okay. But mm -hmm. has bumped enough that other people, are taking interest. And the reason I asked you about Patty Hirsch was I was sent an email from um, NPR, you know, this representative want me to do something with them. And I guess really and truly with what we do, you know, both of us, because of the subject matter is so niche, it's, it's small steps. And, and then it sucks. I mean, because, you know, you know, I mean, forget me. I mean, you wrote books. That's a lot of work. Me getting on a camera ranting about retail was something totally different, but you put the work in and, you know, you have a finished published product that yeah. needs to be gotten out there. So what I'm going to do is I, I'm, I'm going to kind of shut up. I'm going to let Irish kind of continue this thought if he has something and we'll kind of go from there. Well, I'll only add that um, things can snowball. Uh, like we've had it in the past and, you know, it's related to what Steve just said there is that, you know, I might get a message somewhere like on Reddit and then I pass it on to Steve and then someone contacts Steve and next thing he does a small little interview um, and that gets no traction. But somebody 
from another media was looking out for these type of articles, read that, and then they contact Steve, which is pretty much what happened with NPR, I think. Isn't that correct, Steve? That is correct, yes. Yeah. So, like, you know, something that, like, we didn't think bore any fruit. Like, it was just a waste of time, actually, and I won't name the... (laughs) I won't name the, uh, the, the uh, you know, who didn't bother you know, talking about us. But, New York know, Times. All right, there you go. So, you know, oh, so somebody, yeah. that was a waste of time. That was a complete, like, you know, failed uh, project. But someone from NPR obviously was reading that and said, who the hell, are, who's this Steve guy? You know, and next thing you know, he gets contacted. So, like, it, it all started off from, like, you know, a little stupid inbox thing from three months previous. So, like, sometimes... <laughs> Thing, I'm not going to say it's going to go viral, like, but it, you, nah. you, know, you just don't know. You know. Little seeds can be planted and you just don't know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, like, um, slowly working its way into the zeitgeist is, it's, um, I guess it's a process. It's like, like, what's weird is I've had the most success with Facebook ads and they're really simple. Oh, really? Have you? Yeah, that's wow. by far the most successful thing and it's cheap. And it like gives good results. Where, it is cheap. Like that is for sure. Yeah, like it. Like you do actual. You know, it doesn't um, cost you anything until they actually like click through. Where Amazon, so you have to you put in like keywords is one of the ways you can do it. And one keyword that's really like high priority might cost a buck fifty, but if they click on it, it costs you a buck fifty. But they might not click through. If that makes sense. Right. Like they they have no. They just oh he looks interesting and then just move on from it. And um, I, it's hard to master all that stuff. It's all complicated. Google ads would be another one too, but Facebook ads, I literally like five bucks a day has been getting me like one or two books, yeah. which is profit day, every day. And now I'm running like quite a bit more and I got the ads a little bit more honed in and now I'm doing like, you know, four or five books a day. So and still breaking a profit. I, I think a lot of people discount Facebook because of what it is, but I've ran, I mean, you know how it is. I mean, we're not going to get into details, but boost this post X amount of dollars and, mm-hmm. and, and you don't pay any money until it hits X amount of people. And yes, it, it to be real honest with you. And it, it sounds crazy to say this. I think Facebook's marketing is about the best out there to be honest with you, because it, I think so. it, it's the results are there. I mean, you know, you, you can chart it, you can see what you're doing and whatnot. And, um, it, it's not expensive. I mean, would you not agree? I mean, it's, it's extremely affordable. Yeah. It's, it's very manageable. Like what I've done is like, I want it, want to make a profit per day. Right. So that's the goal or a profit over long term, Right. And yeah, now I'm spending like, you know, $15 a day, but I'm selling, you know, 25 to 30 bucks worth of books. Correct. So making money. And the thing about it is, is it's such a slow, that's a slow method, right? But it could go viral. It could like, I've, I've had days where the, it got shared eight times. Mm-hmm. Like boom, 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 boom. And what you want, you know, would be cool is like, you know, a hundred people share it. And then that multiplies right. like, like in it very quickly, but um, it's, it's affordable. It's very specific too. You can get really specific with the track. I know on this one specifically, I, I like was able to pick interests, which are like all the different grocery stores in the country. Right. And not so much the people that work at them because that's a, that's a smaller group of people. Um, like where they said it's the occupation. 
And I, cause I, that, that just, when I took a course on this, that wasn't the one that they said recommend the interest is, and it's been more fruitful with interest. Right. Yeah. It's like, you got to do all the legwork is it, I guess everyone, it's always nice to like dream of or want like a, an easy fix or just like, Oh, someone to just, you know, see my shit yeah. and share it. Um, some dude with like, you know, a million followers now, like, and you can make a lot of videos like that Scott size guy, yeah. but he also hit at the right time. Right. Like he hit it. Well, I mean, right and, the, and the thing with him, he's a comedian. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, and he doesn't shy away from that fact. Some of us aren't comedians. Some of us are just like, fuck this, <laughs> you know, Steve, you're hilarious. Okay. And sh- yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. I, I work at a grocery store still. I, I'm, I'm, I'm raking in the big bucks. <laughs> if I could animate, um, or somehow, you know, act out the, the like interactions in the book that could be turned into video. That'd be probably pretty funny, but you know, it's just, you gotta, you gotta like Reddit is one thing. Reddit is, that's where you found me, right? Yeah, I found you on Reddit, and, like, the moment you announced your book, and, you know, I've done stuff, or I've shut everything on Reddit down. Reddit is, it's accessible. (laughs) I mean, those people over there think they know everything, and it's fine. And, you know, it happened again on the last video we did. I've asked for people to quit spreading our stuff on Reddit because... You know, what happens is you get people, you know, for whatever reason, hey, watch this retail war zone video. They click on it for like 30 seconds and turn it off and it kills all your stats. It's like quit sharing the shit, man. If we have found, let it be organic and let's just move on. But yeah, Reddit, that's a different world, bro. Yeah, that like when you got to get karma, right? You got to build up some like status on that site and that takes a I don't want to fucking be on there. Dude. No, I don't like have any, no. any interest in being on Reddit for any reason. So, but like, this is all kind of inside baseball. I don't know. If oh, well, it's fine. It's fine. But we, um, we are sitting at an hour and 11 and what uh, real quick, I wanted to bring this up tonight. We've talked about this in the past and I really want to do this because I know I've been kind of absent on social media and, the war zone's kind of taking a back seat, but it's it's coming. It's ramping up. We're getting to that time of year. What does everybody think about a GoFundMe or whatnot to do a retail war zone con? And if we were able to raise enough money to do a retail war zone con, it would most likely, by my preference, be in Atlanta. And if we were able to do that, Adam Cott, would you like to attend? Oh, go to Atlanta and talk to all you guys yeah. in person? Yeah, it'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of like a dream. Maybe not in 2023, maybe 2024. 20, we got plenty of time there, but that's something I would like to do. But once again, I would love you know to do something like that. I think it'd be awesome. Uh, no, it would not be Helen hybrid. We're not going to ride on the, the intertubes. No, it would be in Atlanta. It'd probably be around Hartsfield, somewhere around there. But that's something we would have to figure out the logistics um, and whatnot. But having said that, before we wrap up here, Iris, you have any more questions for Adam real quick? I would just like to know, would you consider uh, 
writing again with like retail being like a, a central theme in, in in a book or would you prefer to keep going in a different direction um i think like for me writing i do best when I, i'm connected to it like directly connected to it right um and I do, I do feel like this rounded off a certain like very certain part of my life. Um, I would maybe be interested in writing like honestly, I think this should be a show, uh, a mini series. I've thought about like turning that like trying to get an agent. It should like writing up some uh, like at least two episodes and then doing you know shots on it and all that stuff. I have an idea for a third book that has kind of been grabbing at my heart for a while. Um, you know, everyone that reads the second one will see like there's a third character that comes in that's um, Daniel's kind of escape and I want to do a like a basically a spin-off book of that uh, not written from Daniel's perspective new character but yeah I'm I'm yeah yeah exactly like I want to build a universe of characters okay that makes sense so, right like the um this character will live on its own in a way um, and you'd have to, once you read it, you'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. I won't give away too much. Um, but also like other characters just have like a, maybe be even the build another char- character in the same city as the, you know, in Denver as the other one that frequents and sees the same characters, that sort of thing. Right. I think that's fun. Um, if other people have projects they want to work on with retail, I'm more than happy to help with what writing knowledge and like ability I have. Um, but yeah, I mean, retail me like customer service. Like I said, it's been my entire life, man. I'm I'm deeply connected to it. If there's some someone has an idea, I'm more than op- open to like help or like think about it. And yeah, I don't know if that's the the direct path I'm trying to go, but I'm very open to it for sure. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I really can't figure it out, and it's been frustrating. I got to fucking sit down. In a coffee shop for like a few weekends. Once maybe my birthday passes, I'll be able to do that. And then maybe this fall, I'll start hammering away at something. Maybe I'll do with retail though, too. Fully understand. And the last comment in the chat, Hero says, that's what retail is, though a universe of characters. And I, I, I think that's a great way to end this because it is. Um, Adam, any ideas you have or whatnot, especially if you, you start stumbling into the TV realm, hit me up. Mm-hmm. I got a lot. And um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see what we can come up with. Uh, I've, I've got I no problem. Big, just so you all know, this is such cool fucking art. Oh, it is. It's yes. This is yes. The, the Look, it is. There it is. The patron saints of grocery. Yeah. The artwork on the second edition for Life on the Grocery Line is exceptional and it matches so well with the second book that they look phenomenal side by side. Absolutely. They really do. It's I think it's a beautiful like in the end it ended up being such a beautiful work of art, dude. I'm so proud. It did. It, it looks great. I mean, all right, so look. I, I, yeah. You know, I'll put them up here. I don't know if my camera pick them up because they got green screen, but 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 here they are. All right, so this is this is both books side by side. I mean, look at that. I mean, the the artwork is consistent. It looks great. Go get them. Go do it. And then lastly in the chat, Blame Tag says, do a few guest spots at the serving time. So you know how to get in touch with Blame Tag. Do your thing. 
Um, having said that, yeah, having said that, Adam, um, I'm going to give you last words before we get out of here. What do you got to say? Thank you so much for having me on, man. This really means a lot to me. I I'm very grateful for you, Steve and Irish and, um, yeah, it's quite the cast of characters and I can't wait to see where this all goes. If we kind of like maybe connect, you know, like stay connected, keep working on ideas, try and get it out there. It, you never know what might happen. We might be able to really like uh, change some hearts and minds, get out there and do something. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, you hold the record. You're on for the third time. I think Stephen Petrovelli is coming up on his third time. So, but, but you are the record holder as of right now. So having said that, everybody have a great evening. Check out the links to his shop. Go buy the books. It's worth it. Help support somebody that worked in the industry in one of the roughest times in most of our lifetimes history, go do it. If you have ideas, do you have a contact you spot on your website, Adam? Um, best way would be through Facebook for sure. All right. Facebook through Adam Jonathan Cott. Yep. I check that regularly. So that's, yeah. So find them out there. Blame tag. If you want to collab with um, Adam, you know how to get a hold of him. Having said that Irish, do you have any last words? Uh, I'm going to enjoy reading your books. Exactly. I'm going to enjoy about them being history books is what I'm going to enjoy. So having said that, everybody have a great evening and we will see you next time. I'll let you guys know what's coming up soon. Have a great night. Stay safe. See you later.